Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Good evening. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta, with Joan Kelly Walker tonight, philanthropist, contributor to Living Lux Magazine, and previous cast member of The Real Housewives of Toronto. Welcome, Joan. Hello. It's always Hi. great to be here. Um, Great to have you. And our special guest tonight is Dr. Anne Kaplan-Maholland. She's the CEO and president of iFinance Canada. She's a speaker and also a previous cast member of The Real Housewives of Toronto. There you go. You guys are being reunited tonight. Yay. Yay. <laughs> is this a relationship? Yeah, well, we're going to talk about dating relationships, friends. I'm going to tell everybody right now what we're going to talk about. So tonight's on tonight's show, we're talking about personal friendships and some of the conflicts that we may face between friends. We've all had arguments. We've all had disagreements and fights with our girlfriends. So we're going to walk through a few common scenarios and offer our opinion on what we would do in these situations. I'm just going to make it a little fun for you ladies. And then we're going to be talking about keeping your marriage strong during COVID, ways to increase body positivity and exude confidence using your body, principles for success in life and in business, and so much more. So ladies, welcome to the show. Uh, Anne, we'll start with you. You're an incredibly successful woman, um, woman, sorry, and you did it all on your own. You published a book last year titled How to Be Successful in Spite of Yourself. Can you tell us a little bit more about your book and perhaps some of your principles for success? Well, the book is really living your life the best way you can. And it's looking at your, I don't want to say your body, mind, soul, but it really is looking at your body, mind, soul, but also your finances and your relationships and how you manage that. So it's combining it all and living every moment to the ultimate. And that is really how I believe people should live a life of success. And it's not the end goal. It's living your life that way. And you've also had some other books too. Can you tell us about that? I think I've done six books, six, five or six books. If you count my doctorate as a book, uh, there's two business books and there's a comedy book called um, If You Don't Laugh, You'll Cry. And really when I was writing the serious um, and researching for the business books, I kept um, finding everything quite humorous, as I find everything humorous. And I kept side notes and then made a, a book, which is a, is a humor book. And then I did a, a book called Fashion Cares, and it's a commemorative issue, um, a tabletop of the history of raising money for AIDS research or HIV research um, through fashion. And that is such a beautiful book. I have one from your wedding that we did on the Real Housewives of Toronto. Um, that was a beautiful parting gift for everybody. And I really, really treasure it because it's just beautiful to look at. Um, so I guess I've read three of your books then, How to Be Successful in Spite of Yourself, uh, the humorous ones, and I haven't done anything with the, the business ones. Yeah, the business ones are more for medical doctors. It's how to get on the first page of a Google search for medical doctors. And the other one is um, how to manage and market your medical practice. Right. So generally, those are sold um, and purchased by medical doctors throughout North America. So, Anne, um, do you have any advice for, or tips for other entrepreneurial women or men, uh, perhaps some of your principles for success? 
I think the, the success is how to live your life with success. But if you're looking at a business and for, for entrepreneurial, it's always to me is think big and look at distribution. And so if you can mass distribute something and you can solve a problem, so find a business where you're solving a problem, think big and think about distribution. That would be my advice for any entrepreneur. If, you're, if your goal can't be big, uh, it's, you're going to be putting out fires for a small return. So always think big. And, and uh, some advice that I can give from uh, because I run a business, as you all know, single in the city, um, is to focus on your strengths and hire someone to, t- to take care of your weaknesses because we can't all be good at everything. And I didn't learn that until later on, and now I love it. I mean, <laughs> if I, can't, I don't have time for something, I just send it off to somebody else to do it for me. And then never stop believing, learning, and growing as a person and also, never to give up, right, Anne? Like, never give up. If you truly believe in something, just don't give up. I, I agree with that to a point. And sometimes you have to reevaluate and say, maybe this wasn't a good idea to begin with. And so you, I've seen people that just push and push and push, and they're pushing the wrong thing uphill. And sometimes it's not giving up. It's reevaluating and saying, Maybe I need to tweak this a bit. And mm-hmm. my original idea maybe wasn't the best one, or things have changed and that idea doesn't work in this time. So I think you need to reevaluate if something isn't working at some point and shift, learn, learn from your whatever experience you've had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, learning from mistakes is really important. But I think a lot of us, you know, we kind of fall into that thing where, you know, we want to do it all, especially if it's a small business and you can't you know, offset thing to other other people, you kind of get stuck in that rut where, you know, I have to do this, I have to learn this, and you're not really, uh, you know, focusing at at your best. So you are pushing something uphill a lot. So, you know, it, it's a fine line of how you get out of that and how you finally make that decision. Like, I've invested so much time and heartache and money to make something happen, and then when you reevaluate, it can be quite disappointing, I think, for some people and it, and it can be, but you can learn from it. Yeah. It's, as you said, just learn, learn from it and then move on. Mm-hmm. And, and I know when COVID first broke out and there was this shortage of masks, you started this whole thing where you were helping out by making masks and distributing them. And I'm sorry I couldn't help out. I have no idea how to use a sewing machine. I can cook, but I can't sew. Joan, can you sew? You know, I had a sewing machine. I actually gave it away because it was really just collecting dust. Um, so, Anne, I hats off to you for doing that. And you were really one of the first people to lead the charge about, you know, social distancing and hand washing and wearing gloves, but certainly for wearing masks. You were there right out of the gates because I think you just recognized the value in that with COVID, and a lot of people didn't. So, yeah, you know, good for you. My friend, uh, Joyce Rankin, she heads up Street Health, and she had called me in tears and said, we don't have any PPE. And I said, let me see what I can do for you. So uh, I owned a surgical center, and she was wanting PPE. Of course, we can't walk into a surgical center and take all their their masks. And so I said, let me see how I can source it. So through my connections in the medical community, I started to look and realize I couldn't get masks back then. And then I went back to designers and said, can you help me? Can you make some masks? And it started, um, that was 60,000 masks ago. 
Wow. So I ended up with 27 sewers, and I donated the money to make the mask. We raised a little bit, but it wasn't enough. And so I paid them each a dollar a mask and donated all the fabrics and everything. And um, we ended up with 60,000 masks. Mm. Hey, so how do you feel about some of these homemade masks that people are wearing? Like, I know the masks that you had had several layers so that they yeah. were, you know, better at filtering, I guess, or better at, you know, keeping a virus in. Um, so, like, what advice do you have to people about masks? Like, there's all these fashion masks right now. Um, is that smart? I think that if you have, from what I understand, there's there's levels. There's the N95, and it's a proper real N95. It's fitted to your face or a face covering. And my only advice, and I, I, I am not a medical doctor, is to say um, cover your face and, and make sure you don't have air coming out the side. That's what I understand. So the homemade mastery, that's better than nothing. And but what but what are your thoughts on masks now though? Because there's so much there's so like there's protests in Toronto across the country and all over the world. People are saying that masks are doing us more harm than good, and that masks are just not effective enough at limiting the spread of the virus to warrant mass use. Insisting that it's it's more important to respect social distancing and, and hand washing recommendations. What are your thoughts on that, ladies? Yeah, well, you, becoming, you know, yeah, because this has been happening a lot. You, across. That is, it's very political, but they don't have any proof. It's a nouveau virus, and so you don't have proof. We do know that it's airborne. So why take the chance that you could have it and spread it to someone else? And why take, why not take every measure possible if you're going to be out and about, distancing, washing your hands, wearing a mask? If you're going to say, we don't know enough about this virus, so why take the chance? Yeah, so many people aren't wearing them properly, and that drives me crazy. It's like, what's the point if you're going to pull it down over your chin or below your nose? Like, people are sort of saying, okay, I'll I'll go along with it and I'll have a mask, but they're not wearing it properly. But I think I'm guilty of that a little bit. If I'm like, if I'm not within six feet of anybody or 12 feet even, um, and like I'm far away from someone, I'll pull my mask down. I can't, I have a hard time breathing in it. I'm a firm believer that we should be wearing our mask. But like, if nobody's near me and I'm like somewhere out in public, I'll bring it down. When I go for a run, I don't wear a mask, but I have it under my chin. So if I do, where I run, it's, there's not many people. But if I do happen to see someone, I will put my mask on. I'll, I'll move it up. But if I'm outside I am by myself and running, um, I I don't wear the mask. Hey, and what's the rule about re-wearing a mask? Like some people like those sort of, you know, the thinner surgical ones, I guess, that are all over the place. Um, but you're only supposed to wear them for, someone said, like, eight hours and then throw it out. Is that true? I don't I don't know. I read somewhere about that. When we were doing the cloth masks, and we still are, we're still getting requests for cloth, cloth masks from Schlegel Villages, which is old age home. Um, I think they have about 3,000 employees and in other facilities. But they want the cloth masks, and they wash them. And they wash them as you normally would wash anything in hot water and soap and hot water. And my understanding is that you, to really be effective, you and you're wearing the cloth mask, you would, you'd have three or four, and you'd you'd wear one and then a new one the next day. Mm-hmm. And so wear it for the day and then wash it. Yeah, and the paper mask. Um, if I have a paper mask, I will. I tend to change mine every three four hours. 
So I usually wear a paper mask and I keep a stack of them in the glove compartment in the car and I throw them out. Yeah. I'm bad then. I don't throw out my masks. I mean, maybe I'm doing it wrong. I should, I should be throwing them out, I guess. I throw it out when I get too much lipstick on the inside. <laughs> you know, I find myself putting lipstick on sometimes, and I'm like, why did I put lipstick on when I'm going to be covered up? Yeah. <laughs> habits. Habits. We need to take a break. We'll be back. We're going to talk about body positivity. There's a huge movement right now with women owning their bodies and being proud of their bodies, and we are going to chat about that when we come back. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. And we're back. We have a fun show going on here today. We haven't gotten to that fun part yet, but we are having a great show. We're talking about personal friendships, keeping your marriage strong, especially right now during COVID, ways to increase body positivity and exude confidence using your body, and so much more with my co-host tonight, Joan Kelly Walker. Hello. And our special guest is Dr. Anne Kaplan-Maholland. She's the CEO and president of iFinance Canada. She's a speaker, and she's also a TV star. She was a uh, previous cast member of the real reality show, Real Housewives of Toronto, just like Joan. They yeah. are SDs. It seems so long ago now. Holy cow. It does. Hi, Joan. Hi. <laughs> uh, let's talk about body positivity. So um, how can we help women be more confident in their bodies? I think the movement is, is really toward people feeling good about who they are, regardless of their shape or size. And that's really nice to see, that there's less judgment over the perfect body, that Barbie doll. It, it's more about people feeling good about themselves. And, and how can we help? It's to not be negative and not be judgmental. Mm-hmm. And that we need to realize that we're all unique and there's absolutely no point in comparing ourselves to other women because really, at the end of the day, it's no fun. And you never really know what other people are thinking, right? Like they could be looking at you and wishing that they had your legs or your stomach or your face or your buttocks, you know? Um, and, and also, like, there's no such thing, I think, as perfection, right? Like, work towards embracing your imperfections. There's no such thing as being perfect. Yeah, I agree. I think it comes down to really mindfully practicing self-love and self-care and being gentle with yourself instead of having that negative talk in your brain like, oh, I look fat today or, oh, I'm heavy or whatever. You have to really be gentle and it's a conscious thing. Um, But Anne, I, I think I remember reading in your book, How to Be Successful in Spite of Yourself, um, you've got a chapter about this very thing, and, and the point kind of is that health is important. Like, you know, you can't just say body positivity, right. I, I accept myself as I am, but you have to also, you know, look after yourself and care for yourself in a really healthy way. And, uh, you know, I love that point. Yeah, and, and it was interesting. In writing the book, I was part of it was that you should be in good shape. And I thought, no, that's going to be taken the wrong way. And I really thought hard about the wording where it wasn't about your shape, but it was about your health. And so I was aware that that could be taken as being in good shape meant your body had to be of a certain shape. 
And it is about being in shape to ward off if you were to get sick. It's about being in, in the optimal shape that your body is capable of, or at least close to the optimal shape that your body is capable of. And I don't mean the, your figure. I mean your, your health-wise. And so you're right. I, and I did enjoy writing it after I figured out a way to not bring attention to physical appearances. Yeah, and, and I think you help- did it really well. It's very clear and it's very um, sensitive to, you know, the way that people might be feeling. So, you know, for all our, the listeners, I think it's definitely worth picking up the book. Um, but you're like a shining example of, you know, you you do that yourself. Like you're not just saying it and then not not living that way. You really do that. And and it's about doing things to promote your own health, Um which yeah. is wonderful. And when you're healthy, yeah. you feel better about yourself and you have more energy, which also uh, helps with your confidence levels for sure. And ladies, you know a lot about this, investing clothes that make you feel and look fabulous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we do. As I look at a picture of Anne on the cover of her book wearing a garbage bag. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's cinched. It's not just a garbage bag. Yes, with some killer boots, I might add. Yeah, yeah. It's, but I, I think it's, it's not necessarily the clothes. It's how you wear them. Mm-hmm. If, like you, if you're a size 2, don't wear a size 10 because you might have gained a few pounds because it's going right. to make you look frumpier than you actually are. Yeah, or if you're a size 10, don't buy a size 2 thinking, okay, I'm going to fit into that one yeah. day. I think you have to buy things that make you feel good right here, right now. Yeah, I I remember one of my husbands, um, he had uh, maybe physical issues that other people would find unattractive. And I remember he didn't care. And when people would point them out to me, I'd say, I didn't see that. And then I'd look at him and go, oh, yeah, 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 I get it, I get it. I'd make him sound like an ogre, but he wasn't. The point he's trying to make is somebody who is unhappy with their physical appearance or with how they look, it will be like an emphasis is on it, like it's written in bold if they don't feel good about themselves because it becomes a topic to themselves. But if you're feeling good about yourself, actually it, the other people aren't noticing what you might consider to be a flaw. They might consider it an asset. If you don't like a bump on your nose, if you don't like a little bit of weight that you're carrying, that might actually be very attractive, but only in your mind you think it's not quite right too. So you could change your attitude about yourself. And be more positive. Since you brought since you brought up the bump on your nose and all that, like, how do you feel about cosmetic surgery or enhancements such as fillers to help improve your confidence? After all, Anne, I mean, your husband is Dr. Mulholland. He's one of the top plastic surgeons in Toronto. And so, how do you feel about little enhancements to help increase your your uh, confidence? I'm a big fan. I just don't think women women should do any little enhancements at all. I think they should go big. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you do, but you're not going to get one thing that's going to fix everything. And that's that's the part that I don't know that generally people understand is it's your lifestyle too. If you're, if you're not contributing to, for instance, your skin or other things, whatever you're doing for those little tweaks, won't be as good if you're not doing everything you can to be a healthy person while you're doing it. So there's no magic pill. It's always 
a few little things here and there that I think can be the best you want to be. A lot of people don't know when to stop. That's the problem. Like they start with, you know, a lip enhancement, let's say, and pretty soon their lips are like really fake looking enormous. They just take it far too far. You know, maybe that's just my opinion. Maybe they think it looks great. Um, that's not the same as fashion. People, the people think they look good because that, that's what they think looks good. So it's sort of like fashion. You've got the time in our lives about 20 years ago or 18 years ago where people just got big. They just got really, really big, and that was it. They were just big. And then now it's more, in, you know, people are enhanced, but there's still some people that just love big. Yeah. That's true. Okay, so how about, like, I don't know if you ladies know anything about this, but I'm I, on Instagram I'm noticing people are starting to post these massages and exercises you can do to produce collagen in your face and your neck and so forth so that you don't need any fillers or Botox or any enhancements. Do you believe in that? Anne? I, I'm not a doctor, but I can't. Can we ask care. your husband? And, and, <laughs> can we but, get him on the phone? I can say if I just think that you there there's foods you could eat that like pomegranates that helps you stimulate collagen in your face, but there's nothing like getting filler. I think it would be maybe it might help a little bit, but you're not going to get the same result. That would be my guess. I'm uh, I once did a, a I forget if it was an infomercial or something on TV where I had this device on my face that was kind of like an elastic thing, and you had to go through all these facial exercises and, like, push your jaw down and from side to side and tense this and that, and it was supposed to work out the muscles in your face, and you were supposed to do it, like, you know, twice a day for, you know, every day for the rest of your life in the mirror for, like, half an hour, and I was like, I just can't get into that because it just was too consuming and you know I didn't see the fast results and you know maybe if I'd stuck with it it would have been better but you know I agree I think you know if you're going to do the fillers you get the instant results you get you know you can help craft it as they go along you can say a little more here a little more there so and make sure you use someone who's reputable yeah you you need to use someone who is reputable and especially depending on the area of your face if, let's say it's your face you're getting done. Mm-hmm. Um, like the trough you, in the eye, under the eyes, for example. That you need, if it's under the eye, you need someone who really knows anatomy. And I would always be careful if you're getting filler. It's to go to somebody who is an artist and not to do the um, at someone's home discount. And I, that's some area that I would say don't cross the line there. Mm-hmm. All right, so successful women like you, uh, being in the public eye and on, and Joan, this can be a question for yourself as well. People believe that you're always put together, you're happy, you're confident, but I'm sure you have moments of doubt as well, times where you don't feel confident and you feel insecure maybe about yourself. How do you bring yourself back? How do you regain or boost your confidence when you get to those moments? Uh, Joan, are you going to answer yeah, that? For me, it's a workout, for sure. The the fastest way I can kind of jolt myself back on track is to go get on my treadmill and do, like, a good run for an hour. That really I'm helps. With you. That helps me as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think for me, um, I've gone through the last, as the world has, COVID especially, where I have not felt good about myself. It's been 
really, really tough. And it's hard. I, I've had a hard time posting on Instagram because I'm, I'm hurting inside. I'm in pain. And, um, you know, I lost someone close to me, and I have not recovered from that. And, and then the world is in a, in a mess. And so it's, I just have to retreat and then put a smile on. But I have a hard time reaching out or responding to people or talking to anybody, really. But how do you get your work done then? I work. It's like a robot. I, I I work every day like a robot. But but ask me to have a coffee or smile or do something. It's it's tough. It's really really tough. I hurt. Hmm. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, you know, one thing I'm I'm finding is that like I'm really missing my girlfriend. Like having that FaceTime with a girl. There's nothing like that. Even if you, you know, you just talk, you just, it's so therapeutic and you just feel so supported and loved. And I think for me, that's something that's really missing right now. Yeah. Like you can have a Zoom call or a phone call. That's one thing. But, you know, it's not the same as just sitting down having a coffee with someone. It's not the same. It isn't the same. And girlfriends mean everything. Friends mean everything. But, Anne, you don't think to, like, reach out to your girlfriends when you're feeling down like that? Because that's the first thing I do. I Maybe I'll retreat for a couple of days, but then I, yeah, I, I find that when I start talking to friends, I just, they really, you know, uh, shed some light on whatever's going on, and then I just, I feel better. I start to regain my happiness again. Mm-hmm. I do. I find that when I'm feeling in certain moods, I will call someone, and it's usually someone who will be, well, I don't have friends that are downers, but it's usually someone that's going to lift my spirits up and know just what to say. So sometimes I automatically will dial to someone that I just need to hear their voice. And even the sound of their voice makes me feel good. Somebody mm-hmm. likes it. Well, I think more than ever, we really need to uh, lean on our friends, and we're going to be talking about the importance of friendships, and I have a little quiz for the ladies. When we come back, don't go anywhere. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. And we're back. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca, sitting with the Joan Kelly Walker from the Real Housewives of Toronto, and Dr. Ann Kaplan-Mahollins in studio. She's the CEO and President of iFinance Canada. She's a speaker, and she was also on the show, The Real Housewives of Toronto. And it's always nice uh, speaking with you, Ann. Hi there. Hi, Joan. Hi. So we all know how important friendships are, especially a friendship between girls. You share almost everything with one another as opposed to men whose friendships are maybe less intense. So if something goes wrong or there's a conflict between two girlfriends, we're more likely than men to take things personally and to hold a grudge. And women tend to internalize while men can usually just, ah, brush it off and move on from it, right? So I've created a few scenarios between girlfriends, and I'd like us to discuss how we would react would we hold a grudge? We would, would we brush it off or cut the friends out of our lives? All right, so here we go. So first scenario, your friend dates your ex. No biggie, distance yourself for a while, or we're done. Anne? I would say, um, I'm a, I'm a, I would say uh, I'd send um, her a sympathy card and uh, tell my ex <laughs> to go for it. Cause 
<laughs> Holy cow, no one would want that guy. <laughs> so would you still uh, continue being friends? I would say she's got bad taste. And uh, uh, if someone actually is my ex, um, yeah, I, I guess I, I couldn't care less. But I wouldn't want to see him. So that would make it awkward. Okay, so probably distance yourself for a while until they break up. Yeah. They probably will. Yeah. Joan? <laughs> You know, I was trying to think, have I had this happen? And I really don't think, well, there's one girl that reached out to me on Instagram and said, you know, I'm married to this guy that I dated a long time ago. So that's the only example I can think of. But I was just happy to hear from her and to, you know, catch up on his news and stuff. So, yeah, I don't think it's a big deal at all. It wouldn't bother me. I guess it depends on which ex. And I would probably distance myself for a while, but then we would be friends again. Yeah. Depending on which ex, I guess. Depends on the feelings I had for that ex. But yeah. usually when it's an ex, I've moved past it. So, okay, now there's a conflict or argument with someone and your friend decides to take their side and not yours. Keep in mind, this is someone that's always supported you and knows your character well and knows that you wouldn't lie, but they're still not taking your side. So no biggie, distance yourself for a while, or we're done. I don't get why would somebody have to take a side? Um, well, let's just say this, there's a situation where you would have to take a side, like, and your friend is not believing your side. There's two sides. So you're having an argument with somebody else about something. I, I don't know what the, that scenario is exactly, but. Mm-hmm. Hmm. What's that word, magnanimous, where you take the high road? That, you know, I think that is a good opportunity to have a conversation with someone about why they feel that way. And I think you... I think that's the only way to handle that situation. Otherwise, you're definitely going to lose a friend. I would question if a friend, um, if, if there was something where a friend uh, did something, I would question my judgment of that friend and say maybe I didn't know them that well or maybe they don't know me well enough to cherish my friendship. Mm-hmm. So I would I would sort of do a, a self-evaluation on, but not, probably something so overt. I would give the friend a chance to defend themselves, but I would still probably do a mental note evaluation on that friend. I think that for me, that would be hard to take. Uh, I'm huge on respect. And for me, that's very disrespectful, especially if someone's accusing me of lying when they know my character and they've known me for a long time, but then I'm the one who's lying about the situation. So I would probably uh, be distance myself for a while to we're done. They don't have a good explanation for themselves. Right. Okay, next. You told your best friend something private, and then they told somebody else. Be no biggie, distance yourself for a while, or we're done. My mother said to me, and I've always remembered this, do not say anything to anybody that you don't want repeated. So if you don't want it repeated, don't say it. And so it is information is free. Once you've given it away, it's someone else is to use the way they want. So if you're going to tell somebody something, understand their character and how they're going to use that information. So your fault for... Good advice. Good advice. But sometimes we want to lean on our friends, Anne, and we, we have trust and we believe in our friends. So Then pick one that you know is going to use the information you give them. 
Yeah, you really have to trust that person. I think a lot of times people don't realize how important that information is to you. Like they look at it and think that is so insignificant, but to you it's important. So yeah, you really have to trust that person and you have to choose that person wisely. And you know, a lot of like that's one thing that I really like about myself is if somebody tells me something and says don't say anything, I really don't. I don't either. I'm good like that. It's none of my business to tell anybody else. Yeah. I would reevaluate the relationship. Maybe this friend isn't as good of a friend as I thought they were. All right. So you have a friend that's always coming to you for advice about dating and relationships, and you've always been there for them. Now they found their significant other, and when you go for advice or uh, when you ask for advice or help, they're never available. They just pretty much canned you. (laughs) They're just not available for you. So how do you guys feel about that? No biggie, distance yourself or we're done. On one hand, you want to be happy for the person. But, you know, I think selfishly you'd be like, hey, what about me? Like, that's hard. You have, there's, you have time to text someone back or to hop on a phone call. For, you know, like, come on. Especially if your friend you, needs you. I think if you're going to give, you should give without expecting anything in return. And if you're fortunate enough to have a friend that's kind enough to return, you're going to have a great friendship, but don't expect anything in return. But, and when your friend is never available for you anymore? Then you don't have a never. Good, then you don't have a good friendship. Yeah, yeah. But you exactly. shouldn't expect it. it you just, just know the character of somebody, and if that's just what they're doing, then um, you don't have a good friendship. And sometimes you can reach out and say, hey, is there anything going on? And somebody might say, you know, I'm going through a tough time, just... It's not you. We'll continue with that when we come back. And Anne's going to share her tips with us on how she keeps a strong marriage right after the break. We'll be back. You're listening to The Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Tonight on the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto, I'm joined by Joan Kelly Walker and Dr. Anne Kaplan-Mahalan. She's the CEO and President of iFinance Canada. She's also a speaker and she was also a cast member of the reality show The Real Housewives of Toronto, like Joan. And I'm Laura Bellotta, your host. And before the break, we were talking about the importance of friendships, and we, I was giving these ladies some scenarios, and then they were giving uh, me their input. And the last one was, how about you and your partner, let's say, are friends with another couple, and that couple gets divorced? How do you go about maintaining the friendship? Is it possible to, to stay friends with each party separately, or do you have to pick a side? Joan, do you want to start with that one? I don't think you have to pick a side at all. I think you have to see who you're automatically closer with and look at the situation. I think it's very complicated and there's a lot of, you know, it's hard to get divorced. So it's it's complicated. And I think you just want to be there to be supportive and to, you know, to listen but not judge. Any thoughts on that, Anne? Yeah, I think it depends on where that relationship originated from. And I have to look at one of my closest friends, and she divorced from her husband, and we were very, very good friends. And uh, I was going. To, he lives in Korea now, and I was going to Korea. I said, she said, oh, look, my husband, my ex-husband. And I said, no. She said the relationship with my relationship with him ended when your relationship ended. 
and um, just no no reason to go there. So it would be a little bit different, possibly, if it was a couple that my husband and I associated with. Mm-hmm. But generally, if it's the female and it's known more through it, I will. I really am a girl's girl. I'm a girlfriend. And I'm with you on that. Yeah, yep. So it's I I go with the girl and the guys toast. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Okay, <laughs> and. I want to. I want you to share some tips on how you keep a strong marriage, um, because there has been quite an increase in divorces over the past few months, which are most likely linked to COVID nineteen, of course, and quarantine. So, uh, and Joan, you can uh, pipe in here too. I'm curious how you ladies have been handling things at home. We'll start with you, Anne. Well, I was wondering when I realized that we were actually to go into a lockdown, what would happen with my husband and I, but. I, I realized during COVID that I actually liked the guy. And before that, I wasn't too sure about it. But we enjoy each other's company. And, and we work well together at home alone. If he was home during before that, uh, they opened up to the next phase, he wasn't operating. So he was home every single day. And I just think that we, we get along well. Now, there was one day where he really bugged me really bugged me and he snapped at me which he normally never ever snaps at me and I just took his credit card and I went online I bought two pairs of Valentino shoes and I didn't say anything to him and he still to this day doesn't know and I felt really good and uh, just right handled it so well he was very very impressed very impressed perfect answer Oh, my. Uh, Let's see. So, yeah, so my husband was home working his butt off. And, you know, I really, you know, of course I respect him and his work ethic and everything, but honestly that was impressive. Like, you know, I was trying to do, uh, you know, stuff around him, like cleaning and cooking and stuff, um, because I didn't have any help, and we normally do. So it was a, it was an adjustment, but he you know he was willing to help me as much as he could, but he really did have his hands full. So like I, I think I gained a deeper respect. Nice. Yeah. All right. Now the story of your first date with Stephen is quite interesting, Anne. He brought you to Kentucky Fried Chicken. Okay. <laughs> now yes. now are you I'm vegan, vegan at the time, Anne? Vegan. Yes, I was vegan at the time. And did okay. he know that? Throw that in yeah. there. Yeah, we we got to the front. Was it? We had to get out of the car and go in the lineup inside. Now I don't know if Line people up. know me, but I, do I look like someone who would go to Kentucky Fried Chicken on a first date? And so we go in there. We're in the lineup, and we get to the front. And I asked the lady to do the wrap without the chicken, and she said, "No, we can't do that." And I said, well, "I just don't want the chicken. I'll just take the wrap and the vegetables in it." We can't do that. And she said, we'll give you the wrap. You can take the chicken out. But if you're a real vegan, you don't want the chicken touching anything. Mm -hmm. And so he looked at me and said, for goodness sakes, just take it like it is. And it's like, whoa. (laughs) He said that to you? Oh, yeah. No, he wanted me to take the chicken. He's very fortunate he got a second date. Yeah. Well, and that's what I want to ask you. How come you didn't allow your first date to Kentucky Fried Chicken manipulate your decision to move forward with him? <laughs> like, honestly, that's a pretty crappy date. 18 months before I ever went on a date with him. This guy waited 18 months and then takes me to Kentucky Fried Chicken. Kentucky Fried Chicken? Yes. Okay, but what, what, at that point, I, I would have been like, why. I'm done. I what don't was know it? why. 
I don't, I, I don't think I realized until I was married to him for 10 years that he was actually a nice guy. I don't know why. What was wrong with me? I have no clue. None. Okay. I don't know why Joan, I married him. Nothing. Joan, what would you do if Don took you to Kentucky Fried Chicken for a first date? Oh, boy. You know, one of the things I loved about my husband was on our first date, he showed up with a clean car. He was on time, and he had made a dinner reservation. It was a Sunday night. And, you know, a lot of guys, they would show up and just say, so what do you want to do? But, like, my husband had a plan, and I loved it. And he also had flowers. And I had just purchased my first home, and so he had a bottle of champagne to celebrate that. He had flowers. I had, um, like, uh, no furniture at all, so we sat on the floor, had a glass of champagne, and then went for dinner. It was really nice. Okay, one quick question. The show's almost over, okay? So I have a scenario. Being in the public eye, I'm sure it also affects your personal relationship sometimes, maybe. There was a clip of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau recently where he leaned in to kiss his wife on TV, and she snubbed him. Did you guys see that? I didn't see that. I heard about it, though. And there's all kinds of rumors about their relationship, I think, because of that. So when you have an argument at home but have to go out in public, do you put on a face? Like, do you pretend everything's okay for the time being? How do you handle it? Because I wear my heart on my sleeve. I would not be able to, 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 to be kind or nice, and I, you, people would know. How about you ladies? Hmm. Well, there's TV cameras around, you know, that scenario for, for them as a couple. Like, I don't think it's anybody's business if you had a, a disagreement earlier that day. It, it, it isn't, and I, I have to say, I mean, we, we've certainly had ups and downs in our marriage, but generally, it, I'd be shocked if he and I ever had a disagreement. Um, we're really, I've always been on the same page. And wow. we both we both love the same person. We both love him. So, <laughs> soulmate, soulmate. That's the end of our show. Thank you so much, Anne, for joining us. Where can people learn more about you, find you, reach out to you if they want? I'm there. It's Ann Kaplan underscore own it on Instagram or AnnKaplan.com. I'm JoanKellyWalker.com or JoanKellyWalkerOfficial on Instagram. And I'm SingleInTheCity.ca for upcoming singles events. Yeah, virtual ones, not in person. Shucks. <laughs> Matchmaking and official Laura Bellotta on Instagram and the Dating and Relationship Show on Instagram as well. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in each and every week. Ciao. 